Hello and welcome to What's in the Bag with me, Josh Shreve. In this week's episode, I'll be going through the bag of Shannon Carragher, who is the UK label assistant for Caroline International. By day, she works with artists including Tame Impala, Bombay Bicycle Club and Kate Tempest. And by night, you'll find her around London's best gig venues or organising her endless collection of records and magazine cuttings. As you'll hear, she says in her own words that she has a suitcase worth of music memorabilia and I can't wait to talk about some of it today. What is this room actually called, by the way? It's called the Old Post Room because it used to be the Old Post Room. Has it changed recently? I think it changed about... It changed just before I started here. So it changed like a year and a half ago, maybe just over that. It's very It used swanky. to just be where we would send the post from, and now <laughs> it's like a little living room. Uh, well, if my living room was like this, I'd be yeah. very fortunate. You've got like all loads of artist posters, you've got Maccabees, Mystery Jets. I like this office especially, and like all the meeting rooms, because it's like a little time capsule of Caroline. So, yeah, Bands really past sick. and present. It is, yeah. Nice little velvet touch as well. Yeah. <laughs> it is a very comfy sofa. Yeah. Again, <laughs> if I had this in my lounge, I'd be laughing. Exactly. Um, Shannon Carragher, I wanted to do this podcast with you because you are one of the biggest music fans I know, I think. Do you? You think so? Yeah, but like in, an in, in, yeah. in, in a wonderfully intense way, music fan, I feel like... If you want to get a good grasp of you, just yeah. look at your tweets and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I don't hold back on Twitter, truth be told. Your but... love for certain bands, namely Maccabees, mm-hmm. um, the recent My Chemical Romance announcement, <laughs> yeah. Bombay, like, yeah. it's it's great. Like, and everything everything I see that you put on your Instagram and stuff, you're always putting, like, your setups in your room yeah. and stuff like that of all your posters. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. I know... You, I know you're going to have some good stuff in that bag later oh, I on. I hope so. I hope so. Thank you for saying that. It's nice. I mean, that's the reason why I work in music, to be honest. Like, it's the only reason, just because I'm obsessed with it. I'm obsessed with bands. I love it all so much. So, and it comes across well. <laughs> yeah, I haven't been given a restraining order yet. It's really good. Well, I get that working in radio. How does it come across when you start working with, like, artists that you really love? Like, how does that line suddenly blur? Does it happen quickly to them just becoming, um... like, colleagues, as it were? Yeah, I think, like, when I first... Because I've been working music for, like, almost four years now. So when I first started, I was working as a radio blogger. And it was based at Tower Yard Studio. So there was always, like, bands and artists coming in that I obviously loved. And at the time, I was really starstruck. But I think as I then started working with them and doing, like, promo trips and stuff like that and actually getting to know them, the curtains kind of, like, come up a little (laughs) bit and you realise they are just like you. So I've been... I've become quite conditioned to it. So your job role, describe it to me, I've got here, I think I've summed you up correctly as marketing label assistant at Caroline yeah, International. Yeah, exactly. At, what, what's your actual title? So it is UK label assistant, um, but I sit predominantly in the marketing team, so I assist across all of our marketing campaigns that come out of the UK. Um, but Caroline's really cool because we're a UK label, but also a label services company. So we're part of Universal Music Group, but we um, also work with a lot of independent labels and independent artists. So our roster is super diverse. Um, so we get to work with all sorts. Um, but yeah, my day to day is a bit mad. Like it's really difficult to sum up what I do in one sentence <laughs> because every day is so different. Like you did the fiction podcast with us earlier this year where I got to curate a stage at the Great Escape Festival, which was really sick. Or I'll be like making merch one day input and creative ideas the next doing admin like it's all sorts that stage at the great skate festival that was a big project which i knew you were working on like yeah. the time before that yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um do you prefer kind of that 
where you've got an end goal where it's a massive project or is it those day-to-day things that you prefer? I think so I like having like a passion project I think that's really important for me um, I think that's why it's important I'm working in music as well because it is the main thing that I'm passionate about. And some of the artists you've worked with, the likes of Tame Impala, Glass yes. Animals, Kate Tempest, Iggy Pop, yeah. Underworld, Bombay Bicycle Club. I know. And and speaking of Bombay Bicycle Club, they, <laughs> they've sort of recently returned. <laughs> they have. Where, yeah. How, like, I never saw that coming. Mm-hmm. Did you, you obviously would have heard like early murmurs and stuff, kind but was it a surprise of. to you as well? Massively. So we weren't, this is the first time that Caroline, I believe, has worked with them for like a full album campaign. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had no idea until like the start of this year basically there was whispers and stuff like that but yeah Bombay's always been that band for me like I fell in love with them about like six years ago so I was kind of a bit late mm-hmm. to them I hadn't really started from that first album it was kind of when So Long See You Tomorrow was released um, but as soon as I found out about that album I then listened to everything and just fell in love with them and felt like I was there from the beginning so when they had that hiatus, I was so sad because like being at Bombay gig is just such like an incredible experience for me. Like it's just it's more than just you're there watching the band. It's just like the crowd, like the whole atmosphere is amazing. Um, so at the start of the year, I was like feeling a bit gloomy. I was like, oh, I just wish I could go to a Bombay gig. Like, I thought <laughs> that would just really help me out right now. And then the news came, and it was just like a perfect like full circle really that's an interesting thing about um getting into a band like a few albums down the line because it's like even with me with like arctic monkeys i got into them like second album and you feel like oh you're not a true fan and you get brandished that a lot and i've been guilty of doing that to other people as well how did you find that process of going back and listening to a band did you feel a bit like god there's loads of people that have actually listened to them since the start but do you now feel part of that Part of that fan base. I mean, you've you've done the right thing because you've gone to the gigs since. Exactly, so there you go. exactly. I used to be really insecure about it. I used to be like, if someone... <laughs> like, with the Maccabees is a really good shout, actually, because I got into them um, at Wall of Arms. Um, and loads of my friends have been there from the very beginning. So I kind of used to lie a bit and be like, oh, yeah, I was there at the first gigs. But as time's gone, I've actually found it quite interesting being able to go through the back catalogue. And it's quite, like, exciting for me to mm-hmm. realise there's so much more that I have to figure out about this band. So, I recently, yeah. on a slightly different tangent, I've since the release of Kanye West's new album, Love It or yeah. Hate It, and Love It or Hate Him, yeah. I, I've only really listened to the last few, so literally on the train to here, mm. I've been doing that every week, I've done the first album, second album, for, and it's a, it's a completely different experience yeah. to go back and like listen to like how all the albums blend into one another. Exactly, I feel like you can always appreciate it a little bit more. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I think yeah. so. I mean, you still got that thing of like, am I right in thinking this is a good album or a bad yeah. album? I need to check in with a proper fan. Exactly, exactly. I think everyone, that's the thing about music though, is it's so subjective. So once you have kind of got, you've dug into them as a band or an artist, whatever, or an album, it's then interesting to discuss it with other fans and see what they think, or if they've been there from the start, has their like opinion changed? What about another return, My Chemical Romance? Oh my God. Uh, have you been, would you say you've been with them from the start? Or again, did you come into that when you were a bit older? Um, I would say so. I mean, I'm, so I'm 22, so I think when they started releasing their like first stuff, I like I used to be banned from watching Kerrang! on TV when I was little. Like, <laughs> I'm heartbroken because of it, but I'm kind of catching up now. What was the reasoning for that? 
I don't know. I think it was like my mum thought it was just super like distressing watching some of the stuff on Grand. I think it'd be quite annoying for like a parent to have to. I guess listen so. To that in the and background. my brother was hugely into it as well, so I think maybe <laughs> that was something to do with it. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm making up for it now. No disrespect to Kerrang either. I obviously love them. Um, <laughs> but um, a famous last words. Um, I that was like my like first band t-shirt like they did like a single artwork release for it I remember getting it from H&B when I was like I want to say 11 maybe a little bit younger um but they were one of the first proper bands that I loved so I've seen that you've you've recently moved and also with that you have shared like some pictures of like things you dug out when you were moving and stuff like that I think there's yeah. pictures from like old enemies it is one of those nice things in a weird way when you move like it's mm. for whatever reason whether you're moving for good or bad reasons you always end up digging out those shoe boxes yeah where it's like pictures from the old days of like band posters or whatever and then you're like shall I put this one up and you're like you'll pick up like a a Yumi at six one and I'd be like why have I still got that yeah. like discard yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so I'm looking forward to seeing what's in your bag Thank so you. without further ado do you want to pass me it I'm going to I'm yeah. going to take them out one by oh, one are you going to take them out yeah it's okay. going to be like a lucky dip there we go there we go there we go right well I know I know straight away what this is <laughs> how have you managed and by the way this is a festival wristband no, none is. other than Glastonbury <laughs> last year 2019 and a ticket. Yes, yeah, sorry, they came as one. Um, but you've managed to slip this wristband off. I have, and I don't Keep know how intact. I did it. I don't know how. <laughs> it was quite loose, I think. Um, but I just didn't want to destroy it. There we go. Because it was just the best time. But yeah, the reason I've chosen it is because this year was my first ever Glastonbury. I'd never been before. And I was always so, like, terrified of it. Like, I love festivals, <laughs> obviously love live music. Like, it's such a big part of my life. But Glastonbury always just seems so overwhelming. I never really understood it. And I was really fortunate to be able to get a ticket this year. Um, and just as soon as I got there, like as soon as I entered that like pyramid stage area, I just like got like goosebumps. Do you know, because you, you've obviously been, you went mm-hmm. this year too. It's just, I can't quite fully describe the feeling of Glastonbury, but it's just so special. I said this on the last podcast with Jimmy Blake. Um, he actually bought a Glastonbury wristband from I think the year before, or the 2017, in between the hiatus. Mm. And Glastonbury is one of those festivals where you don't understand what everyone's banging on about until you do it. Yeah. What was it that made you quite scared? Was it just the sheer scale of it? That's it, yeah. Is, are it you like me as well, size. where you're you're worried about, like, I'm going to miss everything I want to see? Yeah. It takes absolutely. ages to walk everywhere. Yeah, because, I mean, I've always, obviously, again, love gigs, love festivals, but I obviously do struggle with anxiety as well. So mm-hmm. the idea of being in a really huge crowd, like... When you look at like the footage of the pyramid stage, it looks like you can't, there's no exit. You're just mm. there in a sea of people. So it always just put me off a little bit. But once you get there, like everyone is so friendly as well. And there is actually more space than you realise there yeah, is. Yeah, it's a slightly uh, friendlier, warmer, uh, and also leaning towards older crowd, yeah. especially if you go to stuff at the pyramid stage. Who are your favourite acts that you saw then at Glastonbury? Um, definitely Stormzy. Mm-hmm. I cried quite a lot during Stormzy, which is probably no surprise to you. Um, <laughs> I just thought that was so... Sp- i never seen Stormzy live either, but it was just... It felt like such a moment. Like, definitely. it was like a history-making thing. Um, yeah, that was so cool. When he did, um, Ultralight Beam as well, I was just like, oh, that's one of my favourite songs. So good. Um, Tame Impala was amazing. Loved that. Working pretty much directly with Tame Impala must be like... 
yeah oh cool i get to actually see this in fruition like and there must be that build-up because again um like we were saying earlier you probably get the early whispers in the office of like Mm. who's doing what and stuff at the festival so it must be quite exciting to see that come together yeah it's really mad and obviously like he um headlined the o2 earlier this year and it's just like it is such a show like even the lights as well like he kevin also does all the lighting himself obviously not when he's on stage but he plans it all and like makes it like syncopated with every beat like it's it's mad yeah so that was really special um who else did i enjoy bring me the horizon was amazing i'm a big bring me fan um, I went there on my own actually which was really good it was like the one part of the weekend where I got some time alone and I like, got right at the front and it was really special and Billie Eilish was amazing too have you got a ticket for this year what was it looking like 50th anniversary not yet I'm seeing what happens <laughs> but I'm tempted to apply to work if I can't get a resale because yeah, I like there's just nowhere and this is the one thing about Glastonbury as well I know how hard it is to get a ticket and now I've been once, I'm going to want to go every year, except for the other it isn't on. Um, but I feel like I just have to be there. Like, yeah. You'll make, you'll, you'll get there somehow. Yeah, we'll see. And hopefully the likes Maybe of... Maybe I'll sneak in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's not the 90s anymore. No, exactly. Just... You don't really hear of that anymore, yeah, do you? Yeah, that's absolutely not happening. <laughs> <laughs> I actually was working on one of the gates um, this year um, for Oxfam, and we heard reports of about 50 people trying to get in through like a sewage tunnel into the campsites they really? went they like trudged through with all their bags and then when they got to the other side the security guards were just waiting for them and oh were like you're gosh. out kind of imagine thing imagine going through all of that as exactly. well just to be told no god just do the car park. is it worth what it would you do that how long's the sewage pipe <laughs> i'm not sure and i've got this image of it being like really narrow how are you getting your bags through that? It's not happening, is oh, it? I don't think it, I don't think I could. No. Well, Glastonbury holds a special place in everyone's heart. Yeah. I, I thought when I initially started doing this podcast, this is going to crop up time and time again. Yeah. And of course it would be in my own list as of well. Course, so there's no shade in that at all. It's a magical place. And fingers crossed for you getting a... T- and myself yeah. getting a ticket because yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. not sorted either. Oh, really? You're and not. I'm not doing a sewage pipe. So. No, we'll see. Um, is this number two? <laughs> yeah. This is... <laughs> Right, okay. Ah, okay. I think I've got what this is. Okay, so it's kind of like a little paper star. Yes. I'm going to be very delicate with this. I'm going to hold it in the palm of my hand. It's very fragile, like it's Um, own. And it says, that green light, I want it. Mm -hmm. Which, if I'm not mistaken, is the Lord lyrics to, you guessed it, green light. (laughs) Where's this from? So that is from Lord Set at All Points East last year. I was there, yeah. Yeah. Oh wait, did you see Lord? Yeah, I was right at the back. So it was my first time ever seeing her and I wasn't actually sure if I had a ticket to go that day. Um, I'd never seen her. She's one of like my favourite pop artists, but that album in particular, Melodrama, as you can probably guess by the tattoo. Yes, you do have a tattoo that says Melodrama. I do, yeah. Um, I just love that album so much for so many reasons. Like there was a year in my life where there was just so many like parallel themes to it and I just found that if something was like going wrong, I wasn't feeling too good, I just pop it on and just feel like I had someone that just completely understood. So I went to that show and I just felt like that whole kind of bad phase in my life just kind of came to a bit of an end point. Just like seeing all that music live, it felt like such a release. And it's just like, 
it was amazing. I went with two friends of mine as well, even Caitlin, and we just it was like a really good bonding moment for us mm-hmm. too. Um, and we all kept one at the end. So was I, it I've like confetti at the end? Yeah. Amazing. Yeah, confetti at the end. I've never actually seen one with lyrics on before either. It just felt like a really nice. They one. literally look like okay. someone's written them. I think I mean, she's probably done it. I mean, not, but do I mean, you think they're mass printed? I think they're mass printed. I don't <laughs> think she's sat there. She's been for a long through. time. It's con- tiny yeah, confetti. I know. Um, Big budget on that. <laughs> <laughs> the, the melodrama album is the album that actually got me into Lord. I remember yeah. it sort of came out the year I went to America for a month and I just downloaded a bucket load of albums to listen to that I hadn't heard that year and listened to it on the plane. Mm. And it was, it just blew me away in yeah. a way I didn't expect because. I think growing up, I was always a bit of a music snob with like guitar bands traditionally, and mm. then started to get into a bit of hip hop. And Lords will always been termed as kind of, I guess, essentially pop, mm. but yeah. it's sophisticated pop. It's clever. Um, what are your favourite tracks off that album? If you had to pick oh, a few, because there's quite tracks. there's quite deep ones, and it's really intimate at times. Yeah. But then there's ones where it's like two fingers up and just like I know. power, like dynamite. It's just like bam yeah. in your face. Yeah, yeah. I think to be fair, I think homemade dynamite is one of my favourites. Um, Perfect places, I love. I think supercar is my favourite actually mm. at the top of the list. Because um, I I always find this difficult to explain. I don't know if you if you also experience this, but when I hear certain tracks or music in general, there's certain like instruments and sounds and samples that have like a bit of a physical impact on me. Like I almost like hear it in feelings. Yeah. Like you know how some people hear music in colour? I forget what that's called. Is it synesthesia? Synesthesia. Synesthesia. Yeah. Um, I don't know if there's a thing for that like physically, like in another way, but that's just, yeah. And I feel like with that album, there's so many things that just make me like, feel physically a certain way or I just like completely get it it's just it's really nice you should get that framed you know I know get it in a little frame or something I think I will yeah this was just in my I have basically like a little suitcase or like a little it's kind of like a briefcase <laughs> suitcase it's not a suitcase it's like it's like a it's briefcase massive. but a lot bigger than usual so I call it a mini suitcase mm-hmm. anyway it has all my stuff in it like like everything like that um and it was just hanging around at the bottom so I think I will get it framed you know Maybe get tattooed, knowing me. We're going to come on to your tattoos later, but third item in this envelope as well. I love how you kept them in an envelope. Like, I don't want Josh just dig his hand into this bag no, and I just wanted tear to be them apart. <laughs> I wanted to be organised for you in your podcast. So this is... Oh, fantastic. <laughs> I can already see what it is. So it's Reading Festival. That is Yanis from Foles. Mm-hmm. I'm going to guess what year this is. Love that. I feel like... I I could be wrong here. I might have been at this year. Is this 2013? Oh my God, it is. I think I was in that mosh pit that the photo's of. You're kidding. I'm not even joking. I think I'm at the back of it. Stop. Because really? I remember crowd surfing twice to this set, two steps twice at the end, which is probably around this sort yeah. of time. Yeah, and you know what? And I'm not just saying this. At the end of that, of that, like... I think it was two steps twice. Someone kicked me in the head whilst crowd surfing. Could have been I, me. Imagine if it was me. <laughs> That's so funny. Look. I was so annoyed by that. <laughs> <laughs> so it's obviously Reading 2013, false yeah. set. I remember. Well, you, you describe it. How yeah. do you remember it? So this is when I just got into Foles, basically. Um, it was Reading 2013. It was my first ever festival experience. I feel like I was quite late in the game with festivals. Um, they used to intimidate me quite a lot. Um, and I just got my GCSE results, like very classic, um, went with a few friends. I wasn't very well equipped, like we had a tent and I just took like a rucksack 
of like one outfit. I, I think I took like 60 quid, which I lost over the weekend. Like <laughs> I wasn't having a great time, but I went and saw Foles. I think this is probably one of my favorite pictures I've ever taken. And sadly it's a little bit better because I've moved around so much and it's got yeah, a bit <laughs> caught, in a, caught up in all that rather. Um, but yeah, I just took that photo because it was my first ever experience of a mosh pit. And I loved it. I thought I'd be terrified. Um, but it was really good. Where were you in the mosh pit? Were you... Well, this looks like you're... You're, like, second in line here, but you yes. are near the front. I am near the did front. Did you get involved after taking this photo? Well, I did, and but it wasn't for very long. I realised <laughs> I didn't actually like being in it as much, but I liked watching the chaos, like, unfold. Um, so I was in for a bit and then ducked out. Do you know what? But, this yeah. is an interesting one because this is... Um, I think like you kind of said about the Lord gig um, for you, for me, this Foles gig, I remember being 18 and like, I'd finally like got a good group of mates. I was like leaving school. I felt like I was turning into a bit of an adult. I had a girlfriend, like all these things. Mm -hmm. And I just remember like unleashing myself at this yeah. point. And like, yeah. it was, I've seen them far too many times like 16 <laughs> times now and that is still one of the best it was so good and then after that that's when I probably fell in love with the band and sometimes it's seeing the band live or the artist live mm -hmm. that then makes you want to get into them which yeah. I, I think is the best way to discover music I think that's a really common thing for me to be honest I think when you're at a band's gig as well you feel a part of something like you feel a part of their world I feel that, especially with Bombay, actually, you feel such a part of like, a community. And I guess depending on what gig it is, you just feel very understood and you're all there for the same reason. And yeah. I've never seen actually anything like the Bombay um, gig before Christmas mm -hmm. um, where the crowd applauded for like two minutes. Oh my God. Um, Sobbed again. Before the last song or something. Yeah. And it was just like, you could just feel them breathing it in. Yeah, absolutely. And it felt like a, such a moment. I've never, ever seen that. I know, neither have I. And it was, they weren't even finished. Yeah. It was exactly. just after they played Luna. Yeah. But yeah, I guess it was like their first proper big, like, home show after being away for so long. So I think everyone was just so, like, relieved to have mm. them back. Um, but yeah, that was so special. So three <laughs> items down. I'm... I'm that is, that's, I've got a bit of emotion over that really? false picture, yeah. I get emotional when I look at it. <laughs> and also, like, I feel like a lot of these, like, items, especially things I haven't even brought with me, it's kind of a bit of, like, a timeline of, like, how I've developed as a fangirl. Like, I'm still mad for music, <laughs> but just then I was so, like, wide-eyed and hadn't seen that before. And it's just, like, just really nice. Did you do Reading again after that, by the way? I did it in 2015, but I didn't camp. Oh, wait, hang on. I did camp. And I've been back since um, without camping, but I can't camp there anymore because it's just like... Oh, God, no. I remember that year else. when I was 18, I was like, I feel like a dad. Yeah. I'm going to go on to fourth item. Go for it. I'm going to go for this, which mm -hmm. is the biggest of the items. It is. And it's like when um, someone wraps up a football for you at Christmas and you can tell what it is straight away. Oh, yeah. This is not a football. It's a record shape, which means it must be a record, which it is... It is a record. And it is the Maccabees Wall of Arms. Mm -hmm. Talk to me. So I think we actually mentioned this at the start of the podcast, so it's quite a nice little full circle. But I picked this because I think it is probably one of my favourite vinyls. Um, it kind of links in nicely to what we were saying earlier about when you 
kind of discover an album early, like later on in the band's career rather. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the album that made me fall in love with them as a band. But particularly this record is their um, Record Store Day exclusive picture disc thing. Um, and it's before I actually started working at Caroline and Fiction. And it was, I think this was a release that happened after they broke up. So I was like heartbroken, obviously. <laughs> I needed to get it. I remember on Record Store Day going to like probably eight different record shops just across London trying to get a hold of it and I just couldn't. Record Store Day is wonderful, but absolute hell. It is, yeah. I, I remember going to the ones in Sheffield and they had they had a release of Colour It In, which is the one before this, their debut album. Mm-hmm. And I was in the queue about 30 people back and by the time I got there, it was gone. Yeah. And it was so expensive and it was just like... I know. Oh. It is a funny one. Like, I like... I mean, this year especially, I didn't really go out looking for anything, but I just liked... I loved the drama of Record Store Day, do you know what I mean? <laughs> so I went to Rough Trade and just hung out, they have bands playing and stuff, but yeah, that Record Store Day in particular, which was 2018, I was like, I need this, because it felt, for me, it felt like the last release of the band. Um, you know, I was unsuccessful, but luckily I came to Carolina Fiction and managed to find one here, so I ended up getting it in the end. Oh, wow, so nice. you didn't actually get it on Record Store Day, no, I didn't, it here. no, so I, I didn't have a job here yet, I was still working at the company. Are we saying this is stolen? You would say it's gifted, <laughs> you would say it's gifted, um, but yeah, maybe. <laughs> um, it's actually funny you've, you've got this, and I'm trying to look on the credits here, because... I remember, you know how at school um, you have those career evenings? Yeah. This can sound really random. Oh, but there was the artist who did this album artwork. So if you haven't seen the album artwork, it's all five of them. And I believe it is them coated in something weird and like mm. weird paint. So they don't look real, but it is them. Yeah. I think it's like they must have moulds on. I think so. Or something like that, or they are the moulds of them. Like, if they were put in Madame Tussauds, that's what they would look like. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Oh my God, imagine if Maccabees were in Madame Tussauds. Oh God. Image, so this is probably who it is, by Bo- Boo Ritson. So Boo has done this. And it is a cool... It is bloody cool album artwork. It's a really cool album artwork. My favourite Maccabees song of all times on it, which is No Kind Words. Oh, Tune. Tune. Have you seen the video for that? Oh, you know what? I don't know if I I have. I think Matt Horn from Gavin and Stacey's in that. Yes, he is. Plays Gavin. He is. (laughs) You know what? I I love Gavin and Stacey, may I say. I can recite every word. The fact that they did a Christmas special last year blew my mind. Was very excited about it, um, but they play a lot of Maccabees like in the background. That's it? so true. Yeah, yeah. I think Matt and James Corden are like massive Maccabees fans. Yeah, yeah. and then he just swindled his way into one of the videos. Yeah, they are that band that are really synonymous with that time of music and also comedy and stuff like that. Because in between, there's used a lot of Maccabees. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did you go to any of their the, one of their final gigs? Yeah. So I went to. I think it was the final final Ali Pali. So it was like the final one. Wow. And it was it was so weird. Like it was weird in a good way, just because like the vibe, like everyone it was a mixture of like such love and devotion for that band, but also like sadness. It was kind of like an elephant in the room. Mm. Do you know what I mean? It's kind of it must be weirdly like because I went to the Friday. Yeah. And it must have been like because you know what Ali Pally's like, the lights come up, there's discarded sort of cans and cups everywhere. It must be like a really weird end of a funeral. Yeah. It's funny you say that because I remember listening to Jessie Ware's um, Table Manners podcast with Felix White and she was chatting about it because she went and obviously really good friends with the band and she was like, it felt like I was at a mate's funeral. Like, yeah, it did kind of feel like that. But it's so nice to see that they are doing bits now on the side that Felix obviously has 
know other records, which is really cool. And Orlando's just announced a bunch of stuff. Tunnel Champs, indeed. Well, that is a wicked, yeah. wicked record. Um, spun to death, no doubt, yeah, I'm sure. Um, but would also look great framed. I know. I think I might get it framed. Yeah. But I have another one of that album. I have it the normal one. Oh, I see. So that's my playing one. Uh, okay. Yeah, this is like the precious Ideal. one. Ideal, yeah. This is gorgeous. Yeah. Um, so, four items down, that means one to go. Yes, and I can't remember actually what it is. It looks like a gig or festival pass. Mm-hmm. Talk me through it. So, it's a lanyard from a gig that I won a ticket to. Mm-hmm. And this was in 2015, a day after Reading Festival, so I was not in a good way. <laughs> Quite um, a few days. Yeah, and it's basically from a company called Zigzag Rolling Papers. And I don't think they do it anymore, but I think that year especially they just did loads of like incentives for music fans. So you could enter a ballot and you would get this surprise gig ticket. Um, and I got an email at Reading Festival waking up on the final day thinking like I was going to die basically um, I had an email saying I'd won two tickets to see Caption the Bottle Men and The Rue at Scala in London and I was like that is such a weird combination but it was when Catfish were just I guess blowing up like, yeah it's just... quite early days like Kathleen sort of era yeah and, like, yeah and like Kathleen that whole album actually especially Kathleen and Cocoon really reminds me of like going out to like indie nights and just I was in that whole phase of going out and that stuff all the time um so yeah i went down and it was really bizarre because the rue were on first and then catfish came on it was a really contrasting evening but <laughs> it was my first experience of like winning a gig ticket as well so it was just like a really like i felt really cool for the whole night basically um and scar's one of my favorite venues in london as well which a lot of people disagree with funny enough Scarlet's weird because it's one of those where um if it's too busy it's mm. like ah and, yeah. But if it's like that perfect amount of just about sold out, mm-hmm. I love it because you're yeah. really close and you've got various platforms you can kind of view the artists from. Yeah, exactly. I've never done a club night there yet. But um, what, do, what do you remember of, of this set? Obviously, as you said, it was a fresh face catfish. So it must have been pretty like great to see them that early on. Definitely. I hadn't seen them before either. Um, I think I remember I couldn't get tickets to see them that year. Like they kept selling out shows. So I was a bit gutted because I didn't want to see this band. Um, so I, it was really good to see them. Um, I was really impressed. They played like, all the bangers from the album. Um, but I'd never seen The Rue either. So seeing things like I'm Not Your Toy and Bulletproof Live, <laughs> I was like, this is such a vibe. It yeah. was really cool. Because I used to watch those music videos like religiously. Do you remember it being busy for The Rue? Because that was kind of like probably sort of four, five years off the back of her being yeah. quite a big... Couple, she had a big few hits, as you said. Yeah, you know what? It wasn't actually that busy to begin with. <laughs> oh, I don't God. know if it's because the set times were really weird. But I had so much space to like, dance around, which was nice. But I was also like on water for the entire evening because I was recovering from Reading. So I was like really pushing myself through it. Um, did you go down on your own or did you get to take someone with you? Was it like you wouldn't want a pair of tickets? Yeah, I had a pair of tickets. So I took um, a friend at the time and then another friend actually won tickets too. So we all went together. Um, it was so funny though. Like there was a bit beforehand. So you'd get your lanyard and it'd be kind of like as if you were on a red carpet. Like there'd be like a <laughs> backdrop. you get like a professional photo take and then go in and get your gig ticket and stuff. There you go. Your first taste of fame. I know. It felt like I was famous for the evening. It was really nice. <laughs> um, did you ever... Uh, did you ever do any like itunes festivals 
I did. Yeah, what did, what did you win tickets for? So I also found that wristband. It was actually Apple Music Festival at the time. Course, so I didn't yeah. go to the iTunes one, sadly. Um, but I managed to go to Elton John. Wow. Um, when he brought on Christine and the Queens, <gasps> which was like unreal. It was so good. And that was just kind of before Christine really blew up. Um, so that was really special. I saw the 1975. I think the one thing I miss about, well, not the one thing, I miss it as a festival in general because it was so much fun, but I loved like the dramatic countdown before the band came on, mm. all the artists. Oh my God, I remember that. Yeah, and it would be filmed as well so everyone could stream in. And then it was like put on E4, I think, which showed it late at night. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember going to a few. I went to Rizzle Kicks, example. Well, I've got a throwback. Um, I also got to go to Arctic Monkeys two days before AM came out and oh, I was right at the front it. and for me growing up Arctic Monkeys were my everything yeah um so that was pretty incredible did you get to hear any songs that were on the album before it yeah. came out yeah they played like seven or eight. Oh my god that's so good like snap out of it and all of that oh. and it was it was great. It was them at like a stage as well where they weren't doing any kind of wafty shit. Yeah, yeah. It was like absolutely. all the bangers, especially for a festival like that. Oh, that's um, so, good. so I was very lucky to see that. Well, what a range of items. I'm going to ask you a difficult question now. I'm going to get you to put one of these items into our Hall of Fame. So imagine it as an artifact. So this is going to sit alongside, uh, so far, we've got Jimmy Blake's homework diary, which is signed by Foles on the back of it. When goodness. he when he met them at a bus stop after school, so that's that's in our museum at the moment. Oh, that's a really cool thing. Yeah. Oh, I think I'm going to put my Glastonbury wristband on it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's not signed by Foles at the bus stop, but <laughs> I feel like that was really like a real moment for me. It was like a, a big milestone for me in terms of like seeing live music and yeah, I'm going to put that in. Nice. That is going. In our wall of hall of fame, whatever. It's a music in my head. It's a museum. Yes. And uh, the good thing about Glastonbury West fans is they change every year, so no one can steal that and try and get in next year. I know. So where we're going to finish this um, episode is we chatted before about your melodrama tattoo. Yes. So you've got quite a few tattoos, and they're all I related do. to music. Yes. There's one that isn't, which is just a bit random, which is like a. It's like a. Oh, it's a face. Yeah, it's like a line drawing of a face of a woman that I just really liked. There's another... I have a lot of women tattoos. Oh. I just like that. Um, are, are they all done... Are they done by different people? Have you had yeah. any done by the same person? So I've had a couple done by the same. Um, a really talented artist called Paula Davy that works at The Circle. Mm-hmm. Just in Soho. And she's done um, this hers one that I have, mm-hmm. um, which is like a bouquet from their artwork. And she also did my Bombay tattoo. Amazing. Which is, there, which is the um, a part of the artwork from Eat Sleep Wake. So I told you to bring, uh, well I say bring, they're on, they're plastered all over you, your <laughs> kind of three favourite, most meaningful, whatever you want to call it, tattoos, or mm-hmm. pick three of your tattoos. Yeah. Um, and we're going to play a little game with them. So what are your three, first of all? So first one is the one that's on my, or the, the back of my forearm, um, which is um, dedicated to a band called Hers. Um, it's the bouquet of um, tulips from their debut album mm-hmm. um, which is called Invitation to Hers and obviously I think it's probably quite well known now they had a very tragic passing at the start of the year 
Um, but they were just such an amazing band and I had the the privilege of getting to know them because I moved up to Liverpool a few years mm-hmm. ago and they're a Liverpool-based band and we had like mutual friends and I'd go to gigs with them and stuff and um, yeah, I just kind of got to know them through there and they were such an amazing, amazing pair of people but also their music was just so... It was so different, like it was very, it's like, I guess, alternative guitar, indie music, but that album in particular is just, it's like a massive ear cuddle, like it's it's so amazing. <laughs> um, so yeah, I got this done um, after their passing, but yeah, it's one of my favourites. Did anyone else, you, you mentioned you had mutual friends, did anyone else do the same thing or were you just like, I'm just going to no, get this done? No, I think it was just me actually, yeah. I mean, because I got my first tattoo only just over a year ago. Only over a year yeah, ago? Yeah, I know. I know. So I've been, I was really scared of getting it done for ages. I've wanted them for years and years. So I've been like planning things, um, but I've just been like a massive wuss basically. And <laughs> I just was like scared of the feeling, um, but I just bit the bullet. Um, Do you still go year. in with that same fear when you get it done every time? No, I quite like it now. Like I think on my second one, I was still a bit hesitant because it was slightly bigger. Um, but I kind of like the feeling. Like, it's so weird. Like, people do say this quite a lot. They like the feeling of the pain <laughs> of it. But, yeah, I think because what obviously what I'm getting as a tattoo means a lot to me and I'm really sure of it. So I'm like, it's a good... It's like, it's got an end point. I get how, something out of it. <laughs> how were uh, the community of, like, Liverpool and the people that you knew and stuff around that? It's obviously a complete shock and stuff. Did yeah. you... Did you go up there soon after and visit people? Sadly not. Like, I only lived in Liverpool for about a year. Um, I moved up there for work reasons, um, but just really started to miss London, basically, and the whole, like, industry down here and stuff like that. And um, So I didn't actually go back up. They had, like, a nice, um, like, memorial for them. Um, Their label put it on at this place called the Bombed Out Church, which is at the top of Bowl Street, which is a really cool high street in Liverpool. Um, It's in the heart of the city centre, um and they did like a dj set and like other artists from their label were there and it was a really nice thing for fans as well just like go and pay their respects um but i couldn't go up at the time it's really gutting um but yeah well your own tribute to them is there forever as we say so that's first tattoo first tattoo second second is i'm gonna say my foals one Mm -hmm. um which is a line drawing of a ghost with forget the horror here inside of it um and it's a spanish sahara lyric from total life forever um which is just a song that i guess it circles back to what we were saying about when you listen to music you can get completely lost in it and you can just feel certain ways and spanish sahara has just always been that song that i can just pop on and just like completely lose myself and it's just like it's just a gorgeous track and one of my probably one of my favorite songs ever Mm. um so yeah i just decided to get that one day what's the reasoning for the ghost um, so I, I have quite like a relationship with ghosts, not like, not like that. What are we getting but, into here? Oh gosh, it's a whole nother podcast. Um, so I've just kind of coined the name over the years as Casper because I'm always super pale and I, I get, I'm really jumpy, like I get scared quite easily. So it just kind of got coined as that. Um, and like my bios on social media are like a friendly ghost, just like a bit of a joke. Um, so I kind of wanted to like <laughs> kind of get a homage to that in a way and obviously because there's another lyric in the song called um, I'm the ghost in the back of your head so mm. I just thought it was a nice pairing 
Um, because I didn't just want to get the lyric, I wanted something yeah. kind of more of an image to go with it as well. Um, so it just felt like a nice little fit. Wicked. Well, I'm always approving of anything false. You know. <laughs> um, third tattoo then. Um, so I'm a Bombay one. Nice. Is this the freshest one? It is the freshest one. Yeah. There it is. So it's, it's the it's the li- the lily pad. Is it a lily pad? It's a lily pad. Yeah. On a lily pad. With like a, a little dude on it, basically. <laughs> yeah. And. So I guess the reason for the Bombay tattoo, we've kind of touched on it anyway, is like, I've just been in love with that band for so long. And but one of my favourite gigs of all time was um, their set at Earl's Court. It was at like, the final ever show. And like I met, I met like a first boyfriend there and like really good friends of mine. And like the night kind of just developed to loads of like firsts, if you know what I mean? Like my first experiences of certain things and... It was just really cool, and like, I think that was a really pinnacle moment for me with Bombay because I just became such like a a deep fan, mm-hmm. you know. So yeah, I just really missed them when they were on hiatus, and I guess like getting to work with them on this album that's just been released. How long did it take you to decide on that after the track came out? Um, probably like a week. <laughs> <laughs> like I heard that, and I was just like, "This is so amazing," and it just felt like a really nice like moment in my life generally just being able to work with one of my favorite bands ever um so yeah it just felt it just felt right to get it i've got a game called keep share avoid okay now have you heard of snog marry avoid I have. it follows on from this which is and it's not really to do with it so what i want you to do is theoretically speaking <laughs> you get to keep one of these tattoos on your body for the rest of your life you get to share one, so you get to keep it on your body, mm-hmm. but you also get to, maybe you've got a friend that you think they could do with that tattoo as well, I want to be matching with them, or family member, so anyone, and one of them I'm afraid is going to have to be etched off you forever, erased, avoided. Oh my god. It's a tricky decision. It's like picking like your favourite child, and like getting rid of one. I always think that's, well I'm not getting rid of it, it's, not, it's the difficult part, but I think picking your favourite child's not that hard. I'm... It probably isn't, everyone acts like it is really hard, but secretly it's not, like we know your game. <laughs> so what are your, what's your initial thoughts? My initial thoughts are, okay no, okay I'm going to keep the hers tattoo, mm-hmm. I'm going to share my foals on with you <laughs> <laughs> because I don't know a bigger foals fan. Excellent. Have you got a tattoo? Right. So here's the thing. I haven't got a tattoo. Okay. Over the past year since their return, I've toyed with the idea of, I don't know what to get or whether to get it or where to get it. I've thought about like maybe, <laughs> I don't know if this will sound any good, like a miniature silhouette of a horse. Like oh, a mini foal. Like a mini foal. Oh, <laughs> Somewhere. It. So it's like subtle, but obviously maybe on like my wrist or something. Do you worry that people but... are going to think that you're really into horse riding? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he loves a bit of dressage. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yours is much cooler. Maybe I need to take inspiration. Okay. Yeah. So you're giving the share to me. Okay. Yeah. I like it. You are welcome. Okay. Thank you. Um, and then I'm going to say get rid of Bombay because I'll probably just get another one. Yeah, you know get mean? some other artwork. I mean, their artwork's pretty cool as well. They have amazing art. And this is the thing with this tattoo as well. Like, I toyed with getting um, a Salem See You Tomorrow one for ages mm. and ages. And I probably would have got that had I not got this one. But this one felt more sentimental because I was actually a part of this. Um, so maybe I'll just do that instead. Is it fair to say, for you, it's more about the meaning than the aesthetic? Or is there a bit of both? Or have I you got different tattoos for different reasons? 
I think it's probably a bit of both. Like, I mean, this one on my, on my, like, other forearm, um, doesn't really have much sentimental meaning. And this is the one just with, like, the line drawing of a face. So there's no real meaning behind it, but I just think it looks really snazzy. <laughs> um, so I guess, yeah, it depends, really. But I think for the most part, it's sentimental reasons. Well, thank you so much for sharing all of this. We've gone through quite a lot. We have. There's been a um, lot to unpack here. Literally. Oh, looks, looks literally. Yeah. Looks like I'm booking myself into a tattoo parlour next week. Yep. Yeah, I'll see you there. There you go. Oh, thank <laughs> you, Shannon, so much. Thanks for listening to this episode of What's in the Bag. Please leave us a rating, comment, and make sure you're subscribed to the podcast. That means that each episode will drop right into your lap as soon as it's here. Follow at WITBpod on Twitter and Instagram to get info about when each episode is coming and who my next guest will be. And a final thank you to Johnny Robinson for providing the music for What's in the Bag and Charlie Shreve for creating the artwork. You can find more of his work at Charlie Shreve Design on Instagram.